CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You're listening to the Play Like a Girl podcast, episode number 23. You play ball like a girl! I'm Nikki B with Play Like a Girl, made just for female athletes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Play Like a Girl podcast. I'm your host, Nikki B. Here at Play Like a Girl, we aim to encourage more confidence in young women who play sports and give them the necessary tools and advice to have an amazing career in sports and beyond. If you are a young woman who plays sports and lives an active lifestyle, or you know one of these young women, I am so excited you are here. Each week, we'll either bring you a guest in the sports world or have a roundtable discussion of the many taboo and important topics in the world of female sports. Are you with me? Let's change the game. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire now streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, Plague listeners, today's guest is a great friend of mine and Michelle's, and we are so excited she is here to unleash her knowledge and wisdom on all of us. So thank you so much, Lord, for being here. So excited. Oh my gosh, this is so great. Like we all the three of us are just like <laughs> just great friends and it's just cool that we can come together and you know what we do um and just yeah mesh all of our worlds together so this is yes. great um so for those of you who don't know who lauren abarca is she is a mental performance coach and currently specializes in sports with many amazing clients on her resumes like olympic and professional athletes and she is also currently serving as the mental performance coordinator to the new york yankees organization that is a pretty impressive resume you got there girlfriend <laughs> thank you <laughs> okay so what we like to do with our guests just to give everyone a little introduction about them is some rapid fire questions are you all right ready? i'm ready okay where do you currently live Folsom. Mm-hmm. But you were in Tampa. Now you're in Folsom. I was in Tampa. Just currently, just currently mm-hmm. moved back to Folsom. Love it. Okay. Where do uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Orange County. Mm-hmm. Uh, what sports did you play growing up? Mainly soccer. Mm-hmm. Just soccer. Yeah, I did other <laughs> things, but I wasn't any good at them. <laughs> <laughs> that was like me. I like I played some other sports, but then everyone was like, "You're just good at golf. You should yeah, just, just stick to golf." To, yeah. yeah. My mm-hmm. dad was like, "You're afraid of the ball. Just stick to golf." <laughs> <laughs> okay. And what is your favorite quote? My favorite quote is actually something that one of my mentors said early on to me, and he said, learn from everyone, but follow no one. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. What is one of your superpowers? I think one of my superpowers is having empathy for others. Um, I've always, I guess, strived to learn more about why people do what they do and kind of understanding. Mm -hmm. And as a mental performance coach, that's something that I think you really, really need to be able to not just feel sorry for them, but actually feel the emotions that they're going through, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, love that. Okay, and who is your favorite athlete? 
I think my favorite athlete since I was little was mm -hmm. Mia Hamm and Julie Foudy, obviously, because mm -hmm. they're soccer stars. Um, but easily my favorite since I was, I don't know, little, mm -hmm. probably about eight years old. I love that. Amazing. Okay. So obviously we know who you are, but for our listeners, let's walk through your journey of who you are and how you got to where you are today. I mean, I know Michelle and I basically know your backstory in sports, but let's mm -hmm. go from really like high school and just your journey to where, how you got to where you are today. Okay. Wow. That's a lot to cover. Okay. I'll try not to bore you with all the like things in between, but so in high school I played, I played soccer, I played club and high school soccer and um, my dream was to play for a Division One school, right. and um, I definitely one thing about me in high school is I was super insecure. Mm -hmm. I didn't think I was as good as maybe I was, mm -hmm. and I it, it showed with the teams I kind of went after. Mm -hmm. um, but eventually, I got it. I got an offer from the University of San Francisco. I went there, played there for a season, and then ended up transferring to Point Loma Nazarene and finished off my soccer and college career there. Mm -hmm. And um, shortly after that, I actually, the end of my senior year, I got my fifth concussion mm -hmm. in soccer, and my trainer pretty much told me, if you want to remember your name at 40, you should probably stop. Wow. So that was kind of a, a, a tough moment mm -hmm. for me and my soccer career, because really I wanted to go play overseas, not because I, I was like really good, I, I wasn't, I was, I was pretty okay, but I wanted to go experience traveling and playing soccer, mm -hmm. and it kind of got taken away from me in that mm -hmm. moment, and that was hard, that was really hard, but I remember my coach asked me, he said, Lauren, you can travel with the team, or you, know, you don't have to, he's like, I'm gonna leave it up to you, you can still be on the team, you still have a spot, but obviously your role is going to change. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, like, well, these are my girls. Like, I can't mm -hmm. just abandon them. And so I decided to try and make an impact on the sidelines mm -hmm. as best as I could. And it, it was a hard transition. But. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, and I mean, that's one thing we've talked about on the podcast before is because athletes get injured all the time. And yeah. it's really what do you do in order to come back from that? So how, what were kind of the things that you had to tell yourself or things that you had to do in order to overcome that? Because I think also with getting injured and maybe not coming back to the sports that I, athlete identity crisis, like I'm always been a soccer player. So now who am, who am I? I don't even mm -hmm. know who I am anymore. So what did you have to tell yourself? Um, and I know you were still, you know, with the girls on the sidelines, right. but what did you have to do to kind of get over that hurdle? Well, I think there was a few things. So like before, like rewind, like back before I had my final concussion mm -hmm. that kind of took me out, um, I was out for about six months before then recovering from another concussion. Mm -hmm. So, and that was probably my worst one that I had. Mm -hmm. I was suffering really bad memory loss. I couldn't function for more than a couple hours a day without needing a nap because it was mm -hmm. just too much um, simulation for my brain. Mm -hmm. And I just remember I was so depressed, mm -hmm. like so depressed to the point where I was I was sleeping probably like nine hours a day, wow. only to get up to like eat. And then I'd go back to sleep and I'd sleep fine throughout the whole night. Wow. And I gained like, I think I was, I gained like 30 pounds just cause I couldn't work out. All right. I could do was eat and sleep. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember my teachers, they would send me home from class. I'd try and go and they'd be like, you look terrible. Like mm -hmm. go back to sleep mm -hmm. just cause my brain and my, I had terrible migraines. Mm -hmm. And so I was already like in a dark place there, mm -hmm. but I kept thinking like, okay, I can come back, I can come back. And when I do, like I'll feel good again. And 
finally I came back and my third game back is when I got my final concussion. And yeah, I had that total identity crisis. Mm -hmm. Like, why have so much time? What Mm -hmm. do I do? Yeah. And so I think the biggest thing for me was it wasn't about me anymore. Mm -hmm. And it was fully about my team and having to change that mindset where it's not about how are you doing today? How is your play today? It's how can I help them be their best? Mm -hmm. What do they need to hear today? that is gonna get them you know, on the right path. Mm-hmm. And that was a hard transition, but I'm telling you, it was the most, it was the best thing that ever yeah. happened to me. Well, uh, that leads me into you becoming a mental performance coach. Do you think that, cause it sounds like that was probably amazing. I mean, it's probably a blessing in disguise mm-hmm. because as much as it hurt at the time, it was probably an amazing transition for you. And it gave you the opportunity, like you said, it wasn't about you anymore. Now it's about the team. How can you help others? So right. is that kind of when you discovered that you wanted to get into being a me- mental performance coach? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I remember my actual senior, like your banquet, mm-hmm. um, I actually got up and I didn't like all the seniors have to say something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't really like, you know, you don't prepare anything. You yeah. just like get up and just like tell them <laughs> how you love them all and you're going to mm-hmm. miss them. But I actually got up there and I said, this has been the most fulfilling year of soccer mm-hmm. ever. Wow. And I realized it was the relationships I built and pouring into other people. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it fulfilled me in a way I like never knew mm-hmm. was possible. Mm-hmm. So that kind of led me to looking into classes about just how can I mend like relationships and sport. Right. And there was there happened to be a um, uh, independent study class. And I was the only person, you know, that signed up for it and it was sports psych Mm. and fell completely in love with it. And was like, this is what I wanna do. I love that. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And what was your major in college? Cause I'm sure it wasn't in your undergrad. Right, it was kinesiology and I minored in psychology. Oh, perfect. (laughs) But kinesiology, I I originally wanted to be a physical therapist, Mm -hmm. but I didn't, I wasn't very good at the medical side. (laughs) So um, thank goodness for all those people I probably saved not doing physical therapy. Um, And and I I ended up finding like, okay, this is Mm -hmm. it. I didn't even know this existed. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Okay, so how, what was that transition like then? Because, you know, your your major was kinesiology, but a minor in psychology. And then your senior year, right? You decided you wanted to become a mental performance coach. So walk us through that journey post-college or post-undergrad and how that all worked. So actually, when I was in that class, that independent study class, one of my assignments was to interview someone in the field. And I literally just Googled like <laughs> a mental coach in like San Diego. Mm-hmm. And I ended up finding uh, Dr. Sarah Castillo, who was the head of my master's program that I ended up going to. Mm-hmm. And she was the head of the master's program at National University in Carlsbad. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, National University, I've never heard of this. Like, do I really want to go? I see commercials for it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I wasn't really so sure about it. But after sitting with her for almost two hours, I was like, oh my God. I need to go, like I'm doing this. And so um, to be a mental coach, like you have to go through uh, a couple years of your a master's program mm-hmm. in performance psychology or sports psychology, something related to that. So that's what I ended up doing. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. And so, I mean, for you, let's kind of talk about now more like how your advice and how we can help um, younger female athletes who are listening. Why do you think that mental performance is so important for young female athletes? Because I feel like, and Michelle and I have talked about this a lot, and you and I have talked about this, Mm -hmm. we feel like the mental side of the game is not really coached on, it's not talked about, it's, you know, all about the physical side of it. But why do you think it's so important, especially for young female athletes to hone in on it now at Mm -hmm. this age? 
you know, it's so funny because like once I went through my master's and learned about all this, I'm like, gosh, mm -hmm. I wish I would have known this, mm -hmm. you know, and that's why I kind of brought up being so insecure because mm -hmm. I was, but I wasn't willing to face it. And mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest things that I wish I would have done and what the advice I would give is to start learning yourself better mm -hmm. and being more aware of your thought processes, being more aware of how you respond to things. Because here's the thing, our prefrontal cortex is not fully developed when we're teenagers. Mm, so we rely on our amygdala, which is like the emotions and all of that. Mm -hmm. And so it's so easy, especially as teenagers, like we totally just jump to our amygdala mm -hmm. and use that to make decisions. And when we make decisions on emotions, we don't usually make the best ones. Right. And so one of the first things I would say is keep a journal. Mm -hmm. And the thing, I do this all the time. I do mm -hmm. this weekly and you can do it daily. But, and I even give this to some of the players I work with, you know, at high levels in the Yankees. And it's write down what did you do well that day mm -hmm. and what can you do better? Mm -hmm. Because no matter how well you do, you can always do something better. And no matter how bad you did, there's always something you did well. And mm -hmm. as you do that, you'll start to see patterns of behavior that kind of pop up, whether it's in sport, whether it's at home, whether it's with friends um, in school. And then you can take that and ha make, have like a plan of attack, mm -hmm. but you can't change anything you're not aware of. So right. I think drawing awareness to yourself and how maybe your emotions get in the way, I think mm -hmm. is super valuable. Yeah, oh my gosh, I never knew that about your brain and how that one part is not fully developed, but I feel like that makes sense. And the first thing I thought about is how sometimes as teenagers, you know, if our parents say something, we'll like mm -hmm. lash out at our parents or lash out at our friends. Like I remember when I was a teenager, I would do that. And half the time you don't even know why, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, but it's all because you're basing it off of emotion versus really being able to, I guess, critically think and, and take a step back and look from the outside. But right. I absolutely love that because I think it's, it's so true for athletes. Um, you know, I think we know this now because we're older and we're very like hyper aware of who mm -hmm. we are and hypersensitive of how we function and things we do well and things we don't do well. But at a younger age, you're not really taught to look out for those things. So I think that's that's an awesome tool that girls can start doing. Just write down what you did, something you did good that day, and then something you can work on. And it's not something that you didn't do well. It's something you can improve on, right? Correct. Yeah, something yeah. you can do better because. Yeah. You don't have to be sick to get better. Yeah. So no matter how good you did, you can be on the top of the world. You have all these college scholarships, but mm -hmm. when you are in a when you're a big fish in a small pond, it's easy. Mm -hmm. When you get to the next level, whether it's college or pros, mm -hmm. the difference is so small. Mm -hmm. The margins are so tiny. And yeah. so if you can close the gap early, it's going to make it even that much better. Mm -hmm. Let's forward. talk about that. I like that topic. So what advice would you give to girls? Because I think it's, it's so true. And I, this happened to me. I know this happened to a lot of athletes I've spoken to. In high school, you are the big fish in the small pond. Mm -hmm. And then you get to college and you're all of a sudden the smallest fish in the biggest pond. And then I'm sure girls that want to move on to being a professional athlete or even in the work in, even mm -hmm. in the workforce, it's even, you know, 10 times greater. So what's your advice for kind of transitioning into all those different roles and how to handle that? Um, I One of the biggest things is I'd say like staying open to change mm -hmm. because, okay, so I see this all the time. You know, when we get uh, new draft players, okay, mm -hmm. uh, within the Yankees, we get, you know, sometimes really young, young guys from coming right out of high school mm -hmm. and they're thrown into an adult world. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, say you have one high school player, okay, he has a college scholarship waiting for him if he decides to leave, he has family, he has all this stuff, okay, so he's, if baseball doesn't work out, mm -hmm. he has something to go back mm -hmm. to. And then they're up against adults mm -hmm. that 
they are fighting for their life because their salary, their family depends on it. Mm -hmm. So they don't have anything to go back to. They have a wife and two kids yep. that that paycheck depends on. Mm -hmm. And so when you're fighting for a spot, who do you think is going to fight harder? Mm -hmm. So true. And so I'd say like for some of the people or for some of our like young listeners, I guess, moving forward, it's staying open to change because I think the biggest thing we can fall into is relying on talent mm -hmm. and quitting too soon. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they come in, they try something, they don't get the result they want right away, and then they quit. And they, they don't stick with it long enough to see like the magic happen right. and to see them cross that threshold of change. Mm -hmm. And so I, I would say one, be open, and two, be consistent, mm -hmm. which is a lot easier said than done. Yeah. And it sounds too almost having something to fight for, right? Mm -hmm. And something that's greater than yourself to give you a reason to keep going. Uh -huh. And then also, I mean, working hard. I think that's the one thing that a lot of young kids face as they're transitioning out of high school into college and so forth. Like they think that everything should be handed to them, you know, because that's how it's been when you're, you know, in your teenage years, you have your parents, you have your family, you have everyone to rely on. And then you, they just think that everything should be handed to them. And it's like, no, you, you got to put your head down and work hard. And like you said, like be patient for the outcome, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so I think that's, that's amazing. Um, so for those uh, athletes that don't have access to a coach, because I know we've been talking about how important it is to have a mental coach um, or to, you know, start this process, what do you suggest that they do? There's, there's a few things you can do. One, you can follow, there's lots of mental coaches mm -hmm. like online that mm -hmm. you can follow. Um, I know myself, I post videos, I try and post little tips and tricks mm -hmm. here and there, um, but also reading. Mm -hmm. There's some really, really great books out there that, and I'm actually doing right now, a, I was nominated for seven books in seven days. So mm -hmm. I'm like posting these books um, that I would recommend. And they talk about you know the mental game, whether it's um, talking about a team that's been successful, a player that's been successful, or it's like coming from a clinical psych or a mm -hmm. research-based psych that talks about like how our brain works and how to then apply it to what you do. So there's there's a lot of different things that you can do, but to me, I'd say reading mm -hmm. is one of the the biggest things, and and maybe following people in our field online. Yeah, I just got back into reading. I was a huge reader when I was younger and in high school. I loved reading, um, and then I kind of got out of it. I think with college, it's just so hard. You have to read so much for school. It's just like reading mm -hmm. for pleasure or reading for fun is just out the door. But I just started. I'm like planning on reading a book a month, so that's what mm -hmm. I started doing. But what are your some of your favorite books? Because I would like to know. Yeah. So uh, one I just finished um, is "Can't Hurt Me" by David Goggins. Okay. It's Phenomenal. Now, I will preface it with there's a lot of cursing in it, so um, it may not be, you know, ask your parents if, yeah. <laughs> before you read it. Um, yes. Um, another one is Atomic Habits by mm -hmm. James Clear. Mm -hmm. um, I just posted this one today. It's Legacy by James Kerr. That's another great one. Um, and there's there's a bunch. Actually, if you go to my page, mm -hmm. I have a link on there that has like my book list, and they're all books that I've either read or planning are planning on reading. And um, yeah, you can find there's probably about thirty on there. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. Um, and what are some advice or tools that you can share with us for young female athletes? So aside from reading, like I know, and I know you also mentioned the doing writing down one thing you did good today or well today, and then what's something you can improve on. But what are what are some other things that they can do, um, do maybe daily or weekly or whatever it is mm -hmm. um, to help with their sport or just life in general? Um, one of the biggest things is uh, is practicing being in the present moment. Mm. Um, it is quite possibly one of the toughest things to master, mm -hmm. and but also can be one of the most helpful. And so 
when our, our mind's the only thing that can exist in the past, the present, and the future. Mm. And so when our mind is too far in the past, you know, thinking about that mess up, that mm. mistake, or too far in the future, being fearful of like mm -hmm. a failure or a, the wrong outcome, it directly affects our present moment. Mm. And so we can't do what we're set up to do. And so what I would say is practice anchoring yourself in the present by, you can do two things. Number one is practicing breathing. Mm. And breathing is, is, you can only breathe in the present moment. Mm -hmm. And so when we focus simply on our breath, by just breathing in, breathing out, feeling what it feels like when the breath goes in your lungs and going out, and just anchoring yourself back to that present moment. And then following that up with asking the question, what's important now? Mm. And when you can answer that question, you've totally got, brought yourself back to that present moment. I love that. And I'm so happy you brought that up. I've talked about it on this podcast. I know for a fact that the reason why I won Shot Makers, the reason why I couldn't have done it, you know, back in college, it was, was my breath work. I literally had a breathing routine and my pre-shot routine, but when I was over the ball right before I hit, and it's because I was focusing on breathing, mm -hmm. not anything else. Mm -hmm. I was literally just thinking about breathing. And like, that's what totally was a game changer for me. And I, I swear that is the reason why I won. But it's, it seems so, um, you know, I don't know, it seems so common sense, but in reality, you kind of forget to breathe and focus right. on your breath. So. And I think it's more about intention than mm -hmm. action. Yeah. So like, we can, we breathe all day long, mm -hmm. but it's more about being intentional with your right. breath. Right. Okay. In that moment. I love that. All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but we will be right back. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Okay, so one of the things that we just were talking about as we were at commercial break is how I won shot makers using breath work. The fact that I had more confidence now than mm -hmm. I obviously did when I was in college. And we have talked about this a little bit so far is just wishing we knew things then that we know now, right? Mm -hmm. So what are some, um, I don't know, things that girls can do, like maybe things that they can tell themselves? Because I know the one thing that I... Um, with the whole confidence thing, it was really just for me shifting what I told myself every day and mm -hmm. making turning all my negative thoughts into positive thoughts. So what are some of your tools that you use or tell that your clients to use, um, whether it's in their sport or in their life? Right. Well, the you are the most important person you talk to every mm -hmm. single day. Mm -hmm. And so self-talk is so huge in daily life in sport and anything mm -hmm. and I, I like to explain a few things so when it comes to, it, to breathing another mm -hmm. thing that you can do is just being aware of your thoughts and mm -hmm. that's a, a really cool exercise that also lends to the self-talk and so it's kind of like imagining you know you're standing on the side of the freeway and you're just watching cars go by okay it doesn't mean you have to jump in them <laughs> and depending on which one you jump in, it's going to take you to a different destination. Mm -hmm. And so instead of that, that's like your thoughts. You have tons of thoughts that come mm -hmm. by and that get produced by our brains just constantly. And the best athletes are able to filter out the ones that actually are productive. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't always, they don't always have to be positive or negative, but they have to be productive. So mm -hmm. you can be honest with yourself and say, like, that, 
that sucked. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> I need to do this better. So next time when I go in, I'm going to focus here. Mm -hmm. Or I was too fearful here. I'm going to I'm going to, you know, step up and and do this next time. And so I think paying attention to your thoughts is important, being aware of them is important, and then being I guess aware of which ones you decide to choose mm -hmm. and hop into because you'll have a different outcome based on that. Right. And when it comes to what you tell yourself, man, that has a huge impact. Mm. So I'll actually tell you a story. When I was in high school, I had a, a tough coach. Mm -hmm. he, he, was, he was the coach where every single team uh, mom would like write a letter to the school at the end oh, of the year saying like, he's too hard on our girls. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, he was, he was tough. Mm -hmm. And I remember one day I came home and I was really upset by practice or mm -hmm. something he had said to me. And my mom looked at me and she said, Lauren, if you can play for him, you can play for anyone. Mm. And so it then turned into a challenge for me. Mm -hmm. And so whenever he would yell or, or get, you know, I don't know, say something that would typically piss mm -hmm. me off, I was like, I'm not going to let you win. Because if I can play for you, I can play for anybody after you. Mm -hmm. And he actually got the most out of me. Mm. I remember like looking back now, I'm so thankful for him and we are actually like good friends <laughs> and I've worked with like his mm -hmm. team before. And I'm so thankful for him because mm -hmm. he pushed me so hard, but it was because I, ch I changed my perspective. Mm -hmm. I changed the way I looked at him and I, I turned it into something that was a, became a challenge for me. And so I would, I would tell myself like, you're not gonna beat me. Mm -hmm. And it, it got me really motivated. So that's like, you know, being able to either alter the way you're looking at something or even, you know, pump yourself up and telling yourself like, you got this. Mm -hmm. You know, even though you may not believe it right now, telling yourself that and and acting through and going through with something mm -hmm. i mean that also um i guess really can solidify that self-talk yeah it's almost like tricking yourself like saying i like i got this i got this i got this until you actually start believing it because you have to keep saying it until you actually somehow make a shift and start believing it like i know that kind of helped for me i was i kind of just had to trick myself you know into right. thinking that i am the best i got this and i can do this mm -hmm. um but i love how you just brought up your coach um and i think that you know a lot of times it's hard sometimes you get along great with coach and sometimes you don't so mm -hmm. what is your best piece of advice for coaches and parents and then also on the, on the flip side for athletes that have to work with difficult coaches or parents right i'm going to start with the athlete side mm -hmm. of it um it's so important to focus on what you can control mm -hmm. and that's it's not an easy thing and if you struggle with it, I'd say make a list. Make a list of the things, that maybe if you're struggling with a specific situation, the things you can control and then the things you can't control mm -hmm. within that. You give power to what you focus on. And so if you're focusing all of your energy on things you can't control, you're just gonna drive yourself crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I trust me, I've been down that road, I know what it's like. Mm -hmm. But putting the power back in your corner and saying, okay, what can I get out of this and what can I effectively change? Mm -hmm. And maybe it's your perspective. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that even involves zooming out. So maybe the situation you're in, you're so caught up in that, but if you zoom out, you're like, okay, what's the big picture? Mm -hmm. What do I want after this? And how can I use this situation to get me where I'm going? Um, and then when it, comes to, when it comes to parents and coaches, it's a tricky one because mm -hmm. I don't think there's any like particular formula. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that the, the first thing is knowing your players, mm -hmm. knowing their triggers, knowing the things that motivates them, um, and, and knowing how to get that out of them. That's mm -hmm. not very easy to do. Um, 
and then with parents, it's the biggest, the best parents I see, like with our players, are the ones that that don't take the fall for them, mm. that allow them to fail and get through that failure because you want them to fail when they're young. Mm. You, I want to, you want to fail when you're right. young so that you learn the tools on how you're going to get out of it. If you don't allow them to fail, the second they become an adult and real failure hits, mm -hmm. real life slaps you in the face, they're going to struggle. And I've personally seen it. Mm. I've personally seen it when players that their parents have taken the fall for them and not let them fail, they get to pro ball and they, they struggle bad. Mm -hmm. Some of them don't get out of it. Some of them can't because they don't know how to cope. Wow. And so I'd say as a parent, let let your kids fail. Mm -hmm. they, right. The coach and everybody there, they're there to pick them up. They're there to help. And you're there to help too. Mm -hmm. But instead, teach them effective coping strategies. And, and you know, I can go into that more later, but there are several different strategies that you can teach them that allows them to kind of zoom out, see what their the big picture is, help them work through those things and work right. through those problems instead of just kind of saying, oh, honey, I'll, I'll call and make sure you get out of it. Right. Well, yeah, and I mean, to that point, it's probably better to fail when you're younger in high school um, because those things are probably going to be smaller problems and smaller issues mm -hmm. than when you're in college or when you become a professional athlete or go into the workforce because, like you said, it was what you brought up earlier. There's some guys out there that are playing professionally and they have a family to take care of, mm -hmm. you know, versus when you're in high school, I mean, really... It doesn't matter if you lose a game. I mean, mm -hmm. ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't matter if you lose a Correct. game. <laughs> yeah, and you need you know? to learn how to fight. Mm -hmm. Like, learn yeah. to fight for something. Right. You know, learn, you know, to, to pick yourself up. That's not easy to do. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier said than done. I remember I thought it was the end of the world mm -hmm. when I was in high school. And at the time, it was. Mm -hmm. And it sucked. But, man, I look back, and I'm like, thank God. Yeah. Because I am so much more prepared mm -hmm. to to fall and get back up right. now than if I never failed. Right. I mean, I always think about when we talk about failure, I always think about Michael Jordan. He like never, he didn't mm -hmm. make his high school basketball team and then look at what he ended up accomplishing. You know, it's just that whole, like when you're younger, like learn to get through those failures and learn to have a, like a reason to fight. And because in the, in the long run, it's going to matter more the older you get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mm -hmm. love that. Um, well, let's talk about one thing I do want to get your opinion on um, or your advice on is teammate drama. Because mm -hmm. I think that's a little bit different than handling like coaches or parents. Um, and I know teammate drama can completely affect um, you know, your performance as an athlete and just like your overall well-being. Mm -hmm. um, so what's your advice for if there's drama or gossip on a team? What advice would you give to those young girls? Well, I remember my mom telling my, <laughs> my mom, I've relied on her for a lot. Mm -hmm. She's, I think, amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and she gives really good advice. And I remember <laughs> one time she told me, she said, uh, you know, in order for someone's opinion to affect you, you have to first care about their opinion. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing is one, how important is this person's opinion? Mm -hmm. um, you cannot control what people say about you, and you cannot control you know how they act. Mm -hmm. And so, first of all, is it that important to where you need to put your energy towards it? Mm -hmm. um, for me, most of the time, it's no, <laughs> because the people that are close to me, you know, don't treat me that way. Right. And the people that do, I typically don't spend a ton of time with. Right. And I don't waste my time trying to fix something that I don't really care to fix. Mm -hmm. um, however, when it comes to, if like you're a team captain, I would say that would be a good time to get involved. Mm -hmm. um, because you're in a leadership role, I think that um, making sure that the team cohesiveness is there is important. Um, 
I would say most of the time, if things are happening on the field, like wait till it's off the field to mm. talk about it. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> when you're like in the moment of whatever play and maybe you're pissed off because you missed the play before, like keep in mind, you know, I don't show up to conversations very well when I'm pissed off. <laughs> I don't communicate very well. Mm -hmm. And so let yourself get to a position where you can communicate at your best mm -hmm. and maybe it's not right then. Right. Um, so that would be the, the other thing. But I think that if it doesn't, if you're not close enough or it's not something where you're like, I, I don't really care to fix this, mm -hmm. um, I would say then leave it alone and, and just keep doing what you're doing. But I'd say if you do feel close enough to them, I'd say get to a spot where maybe you're better at communicating than in the position where you're frustrated and pissed off. Right. Um, and what do you think about for coaches and parents? Because I know that they do sometimes get involved in the drama or mm -hmm. they don't do anything about the drama. So what do you think is the best advice to give to them? <laughs> I think parents' roles are to be the biggest fans. Mm -hmm. I think when parents get too involved in... <laughs> uh, all the you know coaching and all of that it can get very messy and so I like to just I actually do I've done this for like a, a parent conference mm -hmm. I did and we had like a hula hoop and we all kind of like put our fingers underneath it and essentially that hula hoop is the weight of that hula hoop is on everybody's fingers mm -hmm. every single person plays a role in the athlete's life the hula hoop is like the athlete mm -hmm. and so if the coach says one thing and the parent says something else it's it's gonna be out of whack mm -hmm. and so to make sure everybody's on the same page, it's not always going to happen. Mm -hmm. But to the best of our abilities, let the coach coach. Mm -hmm. And if you have an issue, go go to them. But try and keep the athlete out of it as much as possible mm -hmm. because then it becomes so muddy. And it right. becomes hard because then the athlete has to choose. Do I listen to my parent or mm -hmm. do I listen to my coach? And it becomes, it, it affects the athlete. That's the person that hurts the most. And so be their biggest fan. Mm -hmm. Support no matter what and let them have fun. If mm -hmm. it's not fun, there's no point in doing it. Right. And as they get older, then they can make the decision on whether they want to continue. But if they're having to make that decision at that age, then we have to look back at us and take responsibility for maybe how we're handling mm -hmm. our own, our athlete. Right, oh my gosh, I love that. I think that's so true. I actually have, um my other good friend, Lauren, who is on this podcast, she coaches the girls' golf team um, locally here, and she makes the parents sign this, like, and all the kids sign this um, kind of, I guess, contract, if you will, um, about drama and social media and everything like that. And she, she makes it clear in the first meeting, in the beginning of the year, beginning of the season, like, this is the rules that you guys need to abide mm -hmm. by. If you don't, then I, I can't have you on the team. And I think it's so... Um, important that she gets that out of the way in the very beginning and kind of like sets the ground rules for what behavior is tolerated and what yep. behavior isn't. Um, because I think it's so true. Sometimes parents, and you know, they do it out of the goodness of their hearts. Of course. You know, of course. Because they want to see the best for their kid, but sometimes it's just not executed in the right way. And the question I would, I would ask, and sometimes I ask this myself mm -hmm. when I'm working with athletes, is is what you're about to say for you or mm -hmm. for the person? Right. Is it going to help you if you say it or is it going to help the athlete? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes with parents, like that's what I would ask yourself. Mm. Like, so I'm going to say really something I want to say for right. my, like to get it off my chest or is it mm -hmm. going to help? Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's not an easy thing to manage. Right. Yeah. Maybe instead write a letter and then throw it in the trash. Get it out on paper. Yeah. Get it out, write it out, say it, and then throw it away uh -huh. or vent to someone that yeah. you can trust. Um, well, what about one thing I want to talk to you about too is like, um, 
I don't know, for athletes who are transitioning, like you said before, sometimes it is from high school or maybe typically from college into like their professional career, what advice would you give to them? Because that's kind of something we touched on earlier. It's such like a, you become a smaller fish in a bigger pond. Mm -hmm. um, but are there certain things that you would say they need to have, like certain attributes they need to have, certain things that they need to do in order to have a successful professional career? The biggest things I see from like the younger ages to like the more professional things are like it's in the details mm. and it's in the ability to do the things you don't want to do mm -hmm. <laughs> on <Amen. laughs> a consistent basis. Oh, amen. <laughs> and um, again, I think that where, and I even fell into this when I was in high school, mm -hmm. where you just stick to doing the things that you do because, or, or that you've, that have worked mm -hmm. because they've worked. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you're good, you're mm -hmm. fine. You're like the best on your team or whatever that is. But when you get to the next level, it's being very detail-oriented, maintaining consistency with either a routine mm -hmm. um, or with like your effort, whatever that is, um, because the best of the best do the boring things mm -hmm. repetitively right? every single day. That's making sure they get up at a certain time, even if that day doesn't call for it. Mm -hmm because they want to keep maintain their sleeping schedule. Maybe it's eating a certain thing, even though they feel like Taco Bell, <laughs> I feel like often. Um, they, they make sure that they have, you know, mm -hmm. that like their protein and their carbohydrate and mm -hmm. this, and they study how their body works and then they apply it to mm -hmm. their training. And right. so I'd say, look at the tiny, tiny details mm -hmm. and how can you make it more consistent and if you do that journal, what I do well, what, what can mm -hmm. I do better, that actually helps kind of create it for you. So if you don't right. really know where to start, just start with one thing you do every day mm -hmm. and just make it better the next day. Right. You don't have to keep adding, you know, you don't have to, it's not always like, okay, I wanna add, 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 I, mm -hmm. need, I need this much, I need to do more. Sometimes uh, just doing it better mm -hmm. is, is a better way to go and I actually think is the best way because simplifying and doing it to the best of your ability is, is more powerful than just doing more. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I feel like you have totally read the book Essentialism. I'm reading that right now and what you just said, it's not doing more but um, I, I think the tagline in there is less but better. Yes. And it's so true, simplifying it and, and honing in on those few things and really being good at those really few things. Yeah. And like you said, you have to put in the hard work or you have to do the things that sometimes you don't want to do mm -hmm. in order to get the outcome that you're striving for. Like you said, whether it's going to bed early or whether it's eating a certain thing. I know I was just gone this weekend and I wasn't eating the greatest. I was eating gluten, which I'm sensitive to gluten. I was eating dairy. I'm sensitive to the dairy. Mm -hmm. I no joke woke up yesterday morning after getting back and I felt like I got hit by a bus. And I know it's because my sleep sleeping schedule was off, my food was different, I was eating differently, you know, all of those things. And mm -hmm. it's so true. If you want to be an athlete at the highest caliber, well, then you have to treat yourself as an athlete in the highest mm -hmm. caliber. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's so true. Um, so since we're kind of talking about, you know, advice for younger, um, younger athletes, what is something that you wish that you could tell your younger self? Oof, man, <laughs> the list is quite long. Um, I think I would tell myself that failure's okay. Mm. I was, oh my God, I was so scared to fail. Mm -hmm. I was so insecure. Mm -hmm. I let my self-doubt manage my actions. Mm -hmm. And so every time I felt like, oh, I don't feel good, but I just wouldn't do it. Yeah. And what I realize now and what I've come to learn 
is that when we fail, it's the ultimate form of feedback. Mm -hmm. Because failure teaches us what to do by showing us what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of creates a pathway for you. And so to me, failing no longer is not getting the outcome I want. Failing is actually not trying Mm -hmm. and letting my self-doubt manage my actions. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the biggest thing is, is just go out and do it. Mm -hmm. Take action and, and then we can put the pieces together for next time. And every time you do something, or you do something, whether it's well or not well, you increase the chance of doing it better the next time. Mm -hmm. And so that would be probably my biggest advice. I love that. It's so true. I think honestly, I know I felt that. I feel like a lot of our young female athletes can relate because, I mean, even female or not, like it's just a lot of times we don't do things because of fear. Mm -hmm. And we just, I, I, you know, Lori Harder, we just had her on the podcast. She said before, you have to do whatever scares you the most because that's Mm -hmm. probably the one thing that you should be doing, right? Mm -hmm. So I think whatever scares you, um, that's what you really should just jump in and and dive deep in. And if you're scared to do something, you don't want to do something, um, I think it's important to not be afraid of the outcome because you don't, you're don't, you not going to know the outcome until you do it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's so so much easier said than done because yes. no matter what, fear is going to be there. Yes. And so I don't want people to think, well, if you just think of it this way, there's not going to be fear. Screw that. You're gonna yeah. be, it's going to be fearful. Yes. It's going to suck. You're going to feel like crap. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel like you're under pressure. Mm-hmm. But mental toughness is doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. That's what builds mental toughness. The more friction you have in order to do something, the tougher it is in order to do something, it requires more mental toughness to actually do it. Mm-hmm. And so every time you do something that's difficult, I don't care what the outcome was, you increase and strengthen your mental toughness. Right. And so it's so important to start that early because it's going to lend to everything in life. Mm-hmm. Whether it's having that conversation with somebody that's typically something you wouldn't do, whether it's going after a job that you were mm-hmm. thinking you'd never get, mm-hmm. whatever it is, that side of mental toughness is I think what kind of breeds success in life. Totally. I love that. And I think the one thing for me, something that I would tell my younger self along with that is to not compare my journey to others is to, I mean, not to have a golf pun in here, but to stay the course Mm -hmm. and to stay my course. Um, Because I think, you know, when I was growing up and I still do it, I'm not 100% perfect at it, but I compare my journey to others and I think everyone else has it figured out. And I know a lot of other people feel the same way. And I'll talk to people who I think have it all figured out. And they'll be like, heck no, I don't have it all figured out. I thought you had it all figured out. So, (laughs) you know, and it's such a stupid game we play with ourselves. So what's something, what's advice that you would give to those girls who, you know, are constantly, and especially with social media, constantly comparing themselves to other people um, and, you know, just, I don't know, just get caught up in that. Um, I heard this quote, and I, I don't know who said it, but it wasn't me. It said, <laughs> it's a, don't compare your day one to someone else's day 500. Mm. We always look at people that have, that have like got the success, mm-hmm. but we, we didn't see where they started. We didn't see all the stuff that came before right. it. And we, then we look at where we start mm-hmm. and go, well, crap, I'm so far away from that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you can't even compare the two. Mm-hmm. And so... Sticking back to your day one, that's why doing a daily journal or kind of having a daily check-in is so important because I kind of describe this to my athletes as like a stock market, Mm -hmm. okay? When you put your money into the stock market, it goes up and down daily, Mm -hmm. right? If you look at it on a (laughs) day-to-day basis, some days you're going to have good days, some Mm -hmm. days you're going to have bad days. And if you took your money out every time you had a bad day, would you make any money? Nope. Absolutely not. 
And so if you stood back and you looked at it and you just kept your money in there, through the good and the bad, you'll see that the, the graph trends upwards. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to that, when you can focus on the day-to-day -day grind mm -hmm. of, okay, I need just to do this better, mm -hmm. and sticking to what works for you is... The, I think the best way to, to not compare because mm -hmm. comparison, you know, something can work really, really well for somebody mm -hmm. but then really not work well for you. Right. And so the question would be is what breeds success for you? Mm -hmm. When do you feel your best? When do you perform your best? How do you perform your best? Mm -hmm. And by asking some of those questions, it's kind of creating like a template for yourself and for success for yourself. Right, I love that. And I love your example, don't compare your day one to your day 500 because it's so true. And I think that goes along with what you talked about, just read. I mean, look at what, if you wanna be, you know, a, a Mia Hamm or a Michael Jordan, well, what did they do to get to where they are in their day 500 versus mm -hmm. their day one? Because most, a lot of the athletes out there today and a lot of, you know, people in big leadership roles or whatever it may be, they do talk about, you know, their struggle and everything that they did to get there. So read up about them, like do your research and figure out what they did. And with that being said, maybe what they did might not work for you, but take those little bits and pieces of knowledge and, and figure it out, you know, what it is. I, I absolutely love that. Um, okay. Well, Lauren, is there any other final pieces of thought, any other, you know, final words that you'd like to give to our listeners? Oh, man, <laughs> I don't know. I guess, I guess just no matter what you do is just do it to the best of your ability. Mm. And if you, if you do that, you know, you can go to bed and you can feel good about what you mm -hmm. did that day. And when you're able to kind of look at yourself and go, wow, like I did that today. Mm -hmm. Like I feel good about that. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it breeds confidence. It breeds, um, optimism it also you know breeds more motivation and self-drive and so mm -hmm. i'd say just you know whatever it is that you do like make sure that you do it to the best of your ability and not for anybody else but for you mm -hmm. i love that okay lauren where can everyone find you and how can people work with you um so you can find me on instagram and twitter and linkedin um if you go to my instagram it's lauren and at lauren and abarca and my last name is spelled a-B-A-R-C-A, -A. everyone gets that messed up. Um, and if you go there, I actually have a link on there that is a link to all my other sites. Mm -hmm. And my email is on there also at uh, laurenandabarca at gmail.com. I love it. And you post some great things on Instagram. I You provide a lot of inspiration for me, so I know you will to our young females listening. Um, and our final question that we have for you today, my favorite question, what does playing like a girl mean to you? thought about this one actually because I've heard all your other podcasts so I've heard this question asked I think to me it means just being authentically you mm. whether you know you are black white green yellow even male female mm -hmm. to me it's just being completely authentically you mm -hmm. I love that. That's the way I can put it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for being on the podcast Thank today. you for having me. This has been a blast. Oh, I love this. All right, you guys, please make sure to share this episode with a friend who you think will enjoy this podcast. I absolutely love this episode, so please, please share. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts and feedback on this episode, so head to iTunes to leave a review. You can also send any questions or topics you'd like us to cover by sending us a DM on Instagram at playlikeagirlmp. We want to know what you want to hear. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us at playlikeagirlmp so we know you're listening alongside us. Thank you so much for listening to episode 23 of Play Like a Girl. We hope you come back for more. Once again, I'm Nikki V, and remember to never stop playing 
like a girl. You play ball like a girl! Exclusively on Paramount Plus, get ready Vamanos. to explore like never before. Swiper knows swiping. Oh, man. Swing into action. We need your help. With a girl who put adventure on the map. I don't think I can do it, Dora. I'll protect you, Boots. Together, we got this. Todos juntos! Yeah! Dora, the brand new series. Stream with your family now, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.